0: We abuse land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. My name is Stuart Richardson. Landscapes of Consciousness will highlight those who fight to protect the land, a sharing of hopeful visions and stories that bring us back to the land, the place that heals and replenishes us in a world that is in rapid transition. My hope is that we come to know we are a single whole with each other and nature. That when we hurt nature, we are hurting ourselves. Online, I'm very happy to have Bruce Gagnon. Bruce Gagnon, I would say, is a lifetime political organizer and peace advocate with a Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. Welcome back to the show, Bruce. Great to
1: be with you. Thank you.
0: Now, I read your recent article about Ironworks uh, Shipyard. Um, for our viewers who probably have never heard of this place. Can you just give us a rundown? What do they do at the Bath Iron Works, and what was your article about?
1: Well, uh, the shipyard uh, is a Navy shipyard where they build Aegis destroyers that are outfitted with so-called missile defense systems that are key elements in U.S. first-strike attack planning. Basically, the way it works is U.S. launches a first-strike attack on Russia or China, something that they annually war game at the US Space Command. And then when Russia or China try to fire their retaliatory capability, what they have left after they've been hit, it is then that these so-called missile defense systems are used to pick off that Russian or Chinese retaliatory capability giving the U.S. a quote-unquote successful first-strike attack. Mm. So these are very provocative. They used to be outlawed. Missile defense used to be outlawed under the ABM treaty that the U.S. had with Russia, the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty. Uh, both sides recognized in those days that uh, the, that these were destabilizing. Whoever had the shield would have an advantage, right? When both sides have a sword, they're sort of... It was mutual assured destruction. Both sides could blow each other up equally. But then when one side introduces a shield, it gives them an advantage. And it also gives them this thought that, hey, I can actually attack these guys because I got the shield here now. Mm -hmm. Because I could pick off their retaliatory strikes. So that's what they make at Bath Ironworks and uh, we, we have been uh, protesting there every christening of the sh- new ship we uh, do civil disobedience and for many years we've been doing a campaign to convert the shipyard especially with climate change happening you know right. we need to uh, be building uh, commuter rail systems offshore wind turbines tidal power systems that in fact would create more jobs and also would be uh, helpful to deal with climate change
0: you know, Bruce, um, I think you're right on the money because every time someone talks about reducing the military budget, uh, people freak out. Not because so much they, I hate to say this, not because they care so much about what the U.S. is doing around the world, but they're terrified of losing their jobs because we all know corporate America has outsourced millions of jobs for their own for their own profit and greed, leaving the American workers in the Midwest kind of empty-handed and in terrible situation. So they care about those jobs. So talk about how this base could be converted, because it seems to me like even at a selfish interest, people just care about the jobs. They don't think about the second part of what they're actually building
1: there. Well, you know, if we just remember World War Two, when the uh, government, federal government, went into industry and said, okay, everything you're doing, stop. And we want you to make parachutes. We want you to make uh, jeeps, you know, tanks, planes, et cetera, et cetera. And so overnight, the entire American industrial machine was converted into a war footing, and it's never stopped since. And so it's quite possible and quite simple in a sense to reconvert now to doing things that we really need that take care of the society in our country. You know, our infrastructure has fallen apart but, the, but most importantly of all, studies at University of Massachusetts Amherst Economics Department and Brown University in Rhode Island have been showing for some years now that actually the conversion of the military-industrial complex would in fact create more jobs. And everybody says, all the politicians say they want more jobs. The people say they want more jobs. Well, and the reason why it would create more jobs is military spending, as it turns out, is uh, capital intensive, meaning it eats up a lot of money and doesn't create so many jobs. Whereas when you invest that money in any other kind of thing, and particularly in building rail systems, as it turns out, you essentially double the number of jobs because uh, building those things is labor intensive. You get a lot more jobs for the same amount of money. And so these studies are on our website, spaceforpeace.org. And, uh, you know, we've been promoting that message for many, many years, trying to get people to be aware that, hey, you know, we could do good things. We could. It's a win, win, win. It's a win for labor unions. It's a win for the environment. It's a win for peace. And so why aren't we doing it? Well, of course, we know the answer. It's because the military industrial complex has a stranglehold of control on Congress. But we the people need to speak up. It's our money and it's our planet that's in uh, that's in grave danger. And most importantly, it's, it's it's in the next seven generations' future that we should be uh, working uh, toward today.
0: Remind your listeners that um, <laughs> there's a lot of fear-mongering about Russia, and now they're fear-mongering about Iran, for God's sakes. And all of this is just nonsense. Um, the United States... Currently spends as much on per year as their next eight allies put together. Nobody's coming after you guys. You you're pretty secure. You could reduce the spending by fifty percent and still be spending four times as much as the four next big allies. Can maybe you can speak about the insanity of somehow United States is going to build themselves out of like out of any risk, or United States is going to be at a point where they're dominating everybody. It's like the foolishness of this spending.
1: Well, first I want to address the point you made in the start of this question, which is a really important point. And it is how the United States is basically spending a trillion dollars a year when you add up all the various military pots of gold, intelligence, Homeland Security, you name it. Uh, the United States is spending a trillion a year. And the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute every year looks at global military spending, who's spending what, and in 2018, Uh, the U.S. spent 36% of the world total. And you're exactly right when you add in France and the United Kingdom and Germany and Japan and South Korea and Italy and Australia and Canada, Turkey, NATO members, right? Mm -hmm. You come to well over 60% of the world total. Well, guess what Russia's share of the world total was? 3.4%. 3.4%. And in the last two years, they've cut their military budget because they say we have too much poverty in Russia. We've got to Mm -hmm. increase our spending on uh, dealing with that poverty. China spends 14%. So you add Russia and China together, you're uh, 17.4% versus NATO over 60%. So it's not even close. So this is one of the greatest fallacies that is used that, oh, my God, oh, my God, Russia and China, they're trying to take over the world. Well, Russia couldn't take over the world at 3.4% of the global total, going up against the U.S. and NATO at 60%. It's impossible. And it's not going to happen. So, uh, but But they get away with this stuff because people don't know.
0: And you know what, Bruce, I want to say something to your American listeners that might be absolutely shocking, and I'm I'm not doing this to gloat, but I'm doing this to compare and contrast. The money that United States spends on its military is literally stealing, stealing benefits from the American taxpayer. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Now, up here in Canada, every single citizen has universal health care, despite their economic circumstances. Everybody can go to the doctor and get universal coverage. And two, when the pandemic broke out, they sent every Canadian a $2,000 a month check from the beginning, and it's still continuing. All your, nobody has lost their home. Everybody is eligible for this benefit. In the United States, they're arguing and heckling (laughs) over one check. So this is the difference. We're protecting our people here. In the United States, there's other priorities. So maybe you can speak a little bit about how the military steals from the social fabric of American society.
1: Well, I got to tell you, you know, I live in the state of Maine, the mid-coast. Our roads have holes like you wouldn't believe all over the state. And I know there are other states in similar condition. Well over 60% of the bridges in America, according to the National Society of Engineers, are in disrepair tragic disrepair waiting for them to collapse at any moment and so you go through the whole list right hospitals schools it doesn't matter america is literally collapsing because of this constant disinvestment in public services public life in the people and continual investment in war and, and more war. Now they want to take it into space and they want to control space. The creation of the recent uh, creation of the Space Force uh, during the Trump administration. You know, it's, it's unbelievable, but it, and it's sick. Uh, so our country is certainly nothing that anyone should want to emulate in any kind of way. Uh, we need uh, health care for all. We call it Medicare for all. The Democrats won't even uh, bring it to the Congress. Uh, they won't even talk about it. And that's supposedly the liberal party that, you know, works for the suffering poor people and working people. But, uh, you know, both parties in America are corporate parties dominated by corporate money, by Wall Street and the war machine.
0: My goodness. You know, I'll tell you a personal story. One of my, um, well, my, my older sister is a medical professional, and she... Um, she, she's been you know, 20 decades in the medical field, and she um, took a part-time job in the United States. She, they live in a border town. And she had to quit after about three months because she was having a nervous breakdown because part of her job was to follow up with people who had health insurance in the United States, that they found some pre existing condition or some sleazy condition where they could deny them the critical care that they needed. This, for me, makes my skin crawl. This is out of my mind that someone gets a phone call and says, hey, we're sorry about this cancer treatments you need, but we're not going to cover you. That's what's happening. And that's only yeah. happening because of this greedy industry, because of the greedy healthcare, because of the military complex, because these ordinary people would love to have healthcare, but it's really hard to achieve, which brings me to my next part, Bruce, says, how do we get the change we want? Because already Biden, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. He's nominated Anthony Blinken as Secretary of State. Right out the gate, he's recognizing Juan Guaido in Venezuela, which is a hand-picked coup leader in Venezuela. You know, they tried to overthrow a government there. Yeah. Even the yeah. European even the European Union doesn't recognize Juan Guaido. He lost his seat. He's a nobody. Uh, he got less than 2% of the vote and they're recognizing him. So this is a hawkish Secretary of State. We're supposed to have something new. How do we get to where we want to be, the new Green Deal? How do we get there when we're faced with this kind of opposition?
1: <clears throat> well, we don't get there by relying on, as you said, the same old, same old, uh, and in this case, the Democrats. The Democrats are not going to do it, uh, and uh, they're showing us that. The Democrats are unbelievably rabid about Russia, anti-Russia, anti-Chinese right now, uh, just today. I I subscribe to Stars and Stripes. It's the military newspaper because, you know, they report on some things now and then. And so today I found an article, U.S. sending bombers to Norway on uh, maneuvers. And uh, they call it TDY, temporary duty. And they're rotating various uh, bomber pilots with their planes in and out of Norway. And, uh, And the article talks about the Arctic because of melting ice in the Arctic. As it turns out, Russia has, look at a map, Russia has the largest land border with the Arctic. And so the U.S., so the Rand Corporation, you might have heard the Rand Corporation during the Vietnam War. They were the people that created the Pentagon Papers that Daniel Ellsberg smuggled out of there while he was working there. To, it was printed in the New York Times. But anyway, the Rand Corporation has just come out with a study saying we need to balkanize or break Russia up into smaller national units into smaller countries so that we, the Western oil corporations, will have greater access to that Arctic sea so we can drill baby drill. And so I submit to anyone that this is the real reason for all this Russia demonization that we hear nonstop. Every time I turn on the radio, public radio in my house, I I swear to God, 95% of the time, they're talking about Russia, and they're demonizing the hell out of Russia or China or both. And so this is what's going on. And that's the Democrats. Democrats are leading that right now. Trump was, you know, the, the, the Democrats accused Trump of being Putin's puppet, which, which was bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, this is what we're facing. So to answer your question. I don't have a wonderful uh, reply, you know, because it's it's going to be a tough road ahead for all of us. And I think it's happening in Canada and other countries as well, where the corporate agenda is taking over so-called democracy. And we're seeing less democracy and, and more corporatization. Well, Mussolini said that the definition of fascism was the wedding essentially the wedding of corporations and government and that's certainly what we have in the united states so it's going to be a tough one to get away from um, and uh, what they're doing right now is pitting american against american more and more and more kind of like a colored revolution like the u s right. does around the world when it runs these color revolutions so uh, i think we're in for some tough days ahead
0: well, you know this this illusion of um, every every person who voted for the other side is my enemy, and every person needs to be destroyed. And I'm like, it this this warfare between citizens only serves the the ruling class. It only serves those corporate interests, the nonsense they yammer on about the news every single day. Last year, uh, there was 26 million people involved in Black Lives Matter protests, white, black, Hispanic, everybody was coming together that they don't want police brutality anymore. There they needs to be accountability. So I think there's a lot more progressive minded than they lead on. And and although I'm disappointed in Biden, I didn't expect much out of him. There are some progressive forces there they there can be progress. There are the Justice Democrats. And so could you talk a little bit about some of those other forces at playing United States that are kind of pushing back on this?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm skeptical of a lot of those groups because they receive funding from the Democratic Party uh, and from foundations that are allied to the Democratic Party, people like George Soros, for example, mm-hmm. and others. Uh, I can just give you an example that... Uh, in uh, the first time when, in when, uh, 2016, when Trump ran uh, for president uh, against Hillary Clinton, uh, George Soros gave $300,000 to a veterans group that I'm a member of uh, in, in uh, the United States to go and protest at Trump rallies and essentially to stir up, you know, antipathy between the two sides. And I was opposed to that because I felt like it Was you know being used, uh, this group was being used uh, for essentially a color revolution where the people are pitted against each other. So uh, there's a lot of progressive so-called progressive groups in the United States today that are funded to do this kind of thing uh, unwittingly. You know, they're told uh, just to go and organize the protest, but they don't think it through and think about what, how they're being used. And so I'm uh, rather skeptical of a lot of these groups right. that uh, I can tell you the Justice Democrats don't want to push for Medicare for all right now in the Congress because they say, give Biden a chance. Don't come in too
0: hard, mm-hmm. you know,
1: give him time. Uh, you know, uh, but like even Republicans, uh, by a majority want Medicare for all, you know, people are suffering right now because of for the sure. pandemic, right? No, 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 even progressive, you know, Democrat, uh, front groups are saying, no, 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 we can't push on Medicare for all. You know, let's, you know, be gentle about this, you know? And so, and they do that because they're told by their funders to relax. I, I, I know one, uh, NGO here in the United States has been working, doing great work on nuclear weapons issues for many years. And some years back, they were told by, again, a foundation linked to the Democratic Party, where they were getting money, that they could no longer use the word disarmament. They had to use the word arms control. Mm. Now, arms control basically means that some weapons are acceptable, Mm. nuclear weapons in this case. Disarmament means we want to get rid of them, right? Yeah, But the fact was the Democrats were feeling too much pressure from the disarmament community. And so they wanted to take some of that pressure off. And so they put out the word through the funders that you couldn't push for disarmament anymore if you wanted any money. And, of course, people have jobs, they have families, right? You know how it works. Right. And there you go. Boom. So uh, this is what's happening in the United States for many, many years.
0: Force the vote was it was driven a lot by a a podcaster, Jimmy Dore, and he was freaking out because a lot of Democrats, come on, we need to take time. It's like, no, you have the presidency, you have the House, you have the Congress, you have nothing in the way. You got delivered a big victory and you can do it, but you're not going to do it. And that's the sad thing. And there was a joke saying only the Democratic Party could give out checks and still have everybody hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Only they could. Well, you know,
1: I, I'm glad to hear you mention Jimmy Dore because I think he's great. I listen to him every day. Jimmy Dore show on YouTube. Just he's uh, your great. Listeners should check him out if they don't know. It's about no him.
0: bullshit show, man. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy, yeah. and he's eating. He's eating, a, taking a lot of heat for his recent. You know, people are turning on him, and I, I got to say, look, uh, have, we should have demanded something. We, we have to demand something from the Democrats. They're in charge. They have no excuses. They have no excuses. And if we let down, we're going to get another Obama, which was massive drone attacks, bailing out Wall Street. And we can, we can do something about this. So talk a little bit about the responsibility of, of pushing on the Democrats, of, of pushing the hand of these people.
1: Well, let me, get, let me tell you a story to illustrate uh, an answer. Uh, in the last election here in Maine, just last November, uh, we have a, a right-wing U.S. Senator, Susan Collins, Republican, been in there a long time in the U.S. Senate. And one of our friends in the peace movement, one of our leaders in the conversion of Bath Ironworks movement, uh, her name is Lisa Savage. We talked her into running for the U.S. Senate. We got her on the ballot. We had to get you know signatures to get her on the ballot. In the middle of winter, it was not easy, but we did it. And then she was in four debates. Uh, four out of the five debates that they had statewide, two of them were on national TV, on C-SPAN, and she was fantastic. She's a very good speaker and very smart. She was a school teacher. She retired early so she could run, and she was uh, teaching in one of the poorest districts in Maine, uh, and that really motivated her to run to really bring to to voice you know the issues of uh, the children and parents in her school. Well, uh, in one of the debates, they were talking about a Medicare for all. Lisa was very much advocating it, and the Democrat who raised, oh God, I forgot now, forty, fifty million dollars in the race or something like that. It was just unbelievable amount of money. Um, even more, she, the Democrat, raised more than the uh, Republican Susan Collins did, and the Democrat admitted in one of the debates, when questioned question about Medicare for all that everywhere I go, the very first thing people tell me is, and she's talking about Democrat voters is we want Medicare for all, but then she wouldn't support it. She wouldn't support it because she received all this money from these corporate interests all over the country. More money came in from her, from uh, for her from outside the state than from inside the state. She's a corporate Democrat. Mm. And, uh, she ended up losing because she didn't stand up and fight for people. And so uh, the Susan Collins, a Republican, was reelected by several percentage points. Yeah. But well, anyway, I think that really kind of explains it all. The Demo- corporate Democrats have taken over the party from almost every level, local, state and federal, and uh, they don't stand for anything. And so, I mean, how could Joe Biden barely beat Donald Trump? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he, should, he should have cleaned his clock. But the reason why he didn't was because people have given up on the Democrats. And so he just kind of skated by this very, you know, yeah. closely skated by. It's just that's the way it is.
0: Well, black voters in places like Detroit, Philadelphia and and Atlanta delivered Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, by a bloody wall. Do something about these ravaged communities that are that have really suffered, because people—they are... did
1: the same thing for Barack Obama, right? And I got to tell you though, Obama in eight years didn't do a damn thing for the black community across the country, other than be a black man in the White House.
0: Exactly. So I think it's gonna it's gonna rely on us. Uh, the Democrats have no excuse and and you know, they promised over and over and over again that everybody would get immediately get two thousand dollar checks and now they say no, we, we didn't say two thousand, we said fourteen hundred. It's ups yeah, abs- they're caving on it. And only, they, I bet it
1: won't even be fourteen hundred. I bet it'll be six hundred. Like, <laughs> only the Democrats just like Trump. They're not fighting. Already they're not fighting. And they control the House, they control the Senate. They're not fighting.
0: Only the Democrats could give everyone a check and be hated for it. <laughs> 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 but, um, I mean, we laugh, and, and it's I have to laugh because it's so bloody sad. Um, yep. And people should be upset. I was re- listening to a podcast, there was an organizer in Atlanta, she says, I knocked on over 2,000 doors getting people to vote for because the, they wanted that check, and now... The I've been turned into a liar, so he better bloody... Mm. They better come through with that because the th- wow. young people, yeah. tens of millions of people came out, lined up for 12 hours to vote, and they better deliver. And the only way they're going to do it is if the people show up, if the people come out. And I've have so many examples of here in British Columbia where the government was going to just roll shot over us, but we came out in large numbers, and they they backed off. And unfortunately, right. that's, that's what it takes. So thank you for the work you do Bruce and, and for always being available for this, for this show. And, um, if you could give our listeners, I think the first tool is information, accurate information, and you have a public access TV show and you have a organizing notes. So if you could give our listeners, uh, some information about how they can be in touch.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have a daily blog that I do that it's kind of like my, uh, spiritual practice where I tell the story of my organizing life. And, um, uh, Uh, You can get to, it's called Organizing Notes. You can uh, search Organizing Notes plus my name, Bruce Gagnon, or you can just go to our website, spaceforpeace.org, and you'll find links to uh, both my blog, and you'll also find links to our latest newsletter just at the printer right now. Uh, It's called Space Alert
0: okay thank you again for that and i encourage people to go to your website and thanks for lending me a little bit of your time here today bruce
1: hey thank you and uh, you y- all have had uh, me on many times over the years and I- i'm always grateful it's great to talk to you and your audience bye bye bye
0: you have been listening to conscious landscapes to hear previous episodes to find out about forest bathing or come on a journey on purpose with us please visit eco-awakening.com bye for now